Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is April 4th. Oh, it's two days before the Jonesboro Open. It's April 4th, 8 o'clock Eastern, just like every Wednesday. Uh, and today we're going to have a very special guest. We're going to have Jeremy Coling joining us later on. He's going to be discussing the concept of playoffs in disc golf and uh, the best way that playoffs should occur. So that's going to be a very interesting discussion. We'll also see if we can talk to him a little bit more about Lionheart and his uh, his childhood growing up and see if he has any funny stories from the Pro Tour uh, over the course of his pretty long and, 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 uh, and what is it called when people do well, uh, his done well career. So a couple quick things that I want to touch on. Uh, the first thing is real quick, why I love the, the pro side of the game. Um, ever since 2006, when I served on the board for a couple years, I've been known as someone who is pro centric. Uh, there are, it is very important to have grassroots in the game and it's very important to have a good solid pro side of the game as well. The reason I love the pro side of the game is, is that I, I want the sport to grow and I, I want the pro, the pro side of the game makes the game cool. It, uh, it gives kids a reason to see disc golf as a real sport. And uh, just like eSports has done for video games, it makes us cool. So when the kids learn about disc golf, they look they have someone they can look up to. They have a Ricky Wysocki, they have a Sarah Holcomb, they have a Paige Pierce. Um, and they can see these people are cool and they want to be just like them and they will stick with the sport and keep playing it. So the pro side of the game offers that cool factor. When I was a kid, I played Dungeons and Dragons. I don't do that anymore. So, uh, although if anybody wants to, I wouldn't mind. But anyway, uh, so we're doing the same thing that esports is doing for, for video games, and we're doing it for disc golf, making it cool, making sure people stick with the game, and that's going to help our game grow. We'll maintain our special culture. Disc golf will always come... We've always been born from the concept of the hippies throwing in the 70s. Disc golf, you have to be a little bit different to like to play disc golf, and we are all special snowflakes. But we want to have more special snowflakes join us, and we want to spread the game and the, spread the game to the mainstream and watch it grow. So that's my first little uh, my first little moment of discussion. The second thing I wanted to say is we have got some significant weather coming to Jonesboro over this weekend. The uh, Jonesboro Open is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We start the broadcast live at 3 o'clock, no, at 4 o'clock Eastern every day. Um, and check out this forecast. On Friday, it literally says, rather cloudy with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. Winds 15 miles an hour. High of 63. Low at, at night, after we're all done, low of 33. Overnight, it says breezy with periods of rain and a, a thunderstorm. 33 degree rain, that's very close to snow. Saturday, 48 degrees, breezy with clouds giving way to sun. That sounds like a beautiful 48 degree day. Overnight, 30 degrees. Again, precipitation on Saturday night is called snow. And then on Sunday... We wake up and it's a beautiful day relative to the other days. Oh, I forgot to tell you, gusts in the 20 mile an hour range on Saturday. Sunday, 55 degrees, times of cloud and sun, and a low of 42. We are going to have some very interesting weather 
this weekend at the Jonesboro Open. I don't know if I've ever seen a premier event with weather this cold. I know uh, back in, uh, I think it was 2008, uh, at the Vibram Open, which might have been, yeah, it would have been called the Vibram Open then. Uh, we had some 56 degrees in rain, and that was that was pretty miserable. And we might be able to top that this weekend here at Jonesboro. The other thing I wanted to chat about real quick, um, I did some quick analysis. And based on the number of courses and based on the number of PDGA players, if you presume that we've got between two and 400 people playing per course, or if you presume that one to 2% of all people playing are PDGA members, we've got somewhere conservatively, we've got somewhere around 2 million people playing disc golf. It could be as high as 3 million, depends what numbers you throw in there. But conservatively, we've got about 2 million people playing disc golf. Uh, I often hear people saying that we need support, we need viewership from outside the sport to make us grow. Realistically, though, two million is a lot of people. If we can just get 10% of those people watching, I'm going to be very happy just having disc golfers watch us and we will grow. So if you know someone that plays, tell them about the Pro Tour, tell them about the live broadcast, all the edited videos on YouTube, tell them about the amazing stats, and tell them about the celebration that we have each, every other weekend where the best players in the world perform and thrill us and give us a show like you've never seen. There are plenty of us in this sport that can watch it, so please share the word. However, the reason I mentioned that 2 million number is not to, not to say that we're really big. There's actually a hidden number in there, and, uh, and that hidden number is 7%. 7% is the number of women that are in the, that are in the PDGA. No, not 7% of all the women, but 7% of the people that are members of the PDGA are women. Uh, that number is very low. When we look at uh, when we look at tennis, forty percent of all women of all people playing tennis are women. When we look at golf, thirty-five percent of all people playing golf are women. When we look at uh, actually, I think that number's wrong. I think it's like twenty-five percent. But then when we look at, uh, for example, high school soccer, forty percent of all people playing high school so soccer are women. These numbers are a lot higher than seven. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that these numbers, we need to get our 7% up to at least 30%. There's a half million women who could be playing the sport right now. Instead of me saying there's 2 million people playing, there could easily be 2.5 million. It is absolutely valid to be beating this drum and saying, let's get more women playing this game. So... There's a reason that people are saying we want more women's coverage, and it's because we want that number 7% to become 25% or 30% or 40%. And at that point, our game is equitable, equitable. I bet you Jeremy knows the right word. But our game becomes much more equal and uh, as far as the number of people playing, and diversity is always a good thing. So let's continue to beat the drum. Let's invite women to come play. Let's tell women about women's leagues and let's try to grow the women's side of the game while also continuing to push on the men's side of the game and celebrating the, the amazing men that we have playing this game. So last little bit, I'm going to run through the uh, Pro Tour news real quick. For the first time ever at the Jonesboro Open, we will actually have off-site commentary. If you go to the news section of the Pro Tour website, we talk about how this is going to be done. Uh, Corey Murrell and Sean Jack out in San Francisco will be providing commentary. Terry Miller and crew will be on site 
doing the cameras for the live, doing the cameras for the video work. And Johnny in Milwaukee will be heading up to production, running the whole thing. So we've got a, a pretty disparate spaced uh, group here. And we are hopefully going to be pulling this off. If it does work, we will have better audio throughout the entire broadcast because these guys will be in a, in a in a room with good audio equipment all hooked up ready to go they won't have to necessarily talk quietly because they know the players won't be able to hear them they will know exactly what's on the screen they'll be able to talk to the stats that are on 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 the on the screen and they'll be able to look up additional stats and give us some extra information as we go so off-site commentary i think this is going to be a really good thing if it works, we will revisit it and we'll try to get it in later in the season. Uh, for now, we're planning on doing uh, Terry Miller and his on-site commentary for San Francisco and Utah. And then we'll have to do some revisiting and figure out if there's a way to make things work towards the end of the season. So uh, the I guess the other big news that we have, uh, for those of you who have not heard, uh, Simon Lazat has... Uh, his back is, is, is not treating him well, and he has actually withdrawn from the Jonesboro Open. So our best wishes to Simon, to his back, and uh, to trying to play disc golf in, uh, in central Massachusetts, where it is very cold. When I left, there was about a foot of snow on the ground. So uh, our best wishes to Simon and his back. And uh, with that, I will introduce uh, Jeremy Colling. Uh, Jeremy Colling, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, Steve. Always, always great to see you. And uh, what was the word that I was looking for there when I was saying that we're going to get in, an equal number of men and women? What is that? What is the right word for that? I think it's you'd like to bring an equal equilibrium to the sport. <laughs> yeah, actually, equilibrium. Like when you put a paper towel in those two cups and only one of them has water and you wake up in the morning and it's all even. Steve, I'm not a wordsmith. I just I just uh, make it up as I go. You are a wordsmith, uh, from what I understand. Uh, you play, what is that game? Words with friends besides friends. Steve? Words with friends besides Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from what I understand, you do very well. I actually just got back into it. Uh, that is a game that I have spent a lot of time on. And <clears throat> the thing is, I get really obsessed about making the best possible word. So I always use that little green lightning arrow to see how much better my word can be. And if it's not all the way at the top, then I won't play a word until I figure out what it is. So it takes a lot of time out of my day. And so I tend to just have to put it to the side. Otherwise, I'm going to be spending way too much time on my phone. So uh, if I played words with friends, I would want to limit it like to, a, you know, we each get 40 minutes to, for all of our plays. Yeah, I like doing the, um, the speed play game where you have 24 hours to make a move. So and it's it's a smaller board um, and okay. you get a little bit more uh, live tiles. So you get to make some pretty fun words and it goes pretty fast. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a that is a fun game. I've always my parents got me uh, enjoying uh, board games since i don't know since i could really spell um that and uh boggle you ever play boggle that's a great yeah. game that oh is a very good I, game. I like that one too so boggle is better um for me in some ways because you can't play against cheaters you know you got two minutes to make a, right. you make the words you got to find the words and i mean i guess you could technically cheat you could pause the screen memorize where each letter was and then look it up but <laughs> come on how big of a how big of a dork do you have to be for that like i've never played I, the online version 
Oh yeah, yeah. There's Boggle with friends to just like uh, uh, words of friends. Oh, okay. I've always just done the shaky thing, and you got the sixteen dice, and you write it down. <laughs> that's fun too. That is that's <laughs> I like the live. I like the live games. Lives lives the best because then you really can make sure that people aren't cheating. Right. But, um, You're sitting next to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I have a very good Scrabble story, and uh, I would like to tell you my Scrabble story, and then I would like you to tell me your favorite words with friends story. Does that sound okay? okay? Right. So, uh, my grandmother, Grandma Ann, who you know very well or knew very well, you, yeah, I guess you, I don't know, is it which is proper? Do you know her? I still know about her, but I knew about her because she's no longer alive. But I still, okay. I, I still, I still know about her. You know of her and you knew yes. her. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we would, uh, we would go, we would go up to, to New England and visit Grandma over the summer. And when I got to college, I would go up there by myself sometimes. And one time when I went to visit grandma, uh, she woke me up at seven in the morning and I'm a college kid. So that was ridiculous in and of itself. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and the first thing she did, she said, Hey, Steve, do you want to play Scrabble? And I rolled over and I said, sure. And then I, she went upstairs and I went, I just rolled back over probably about, I don't know whether it was one minute or 10 minutes later, she comes back down and she says, Hey, Steve, I, I picked our first letters. I got an A. Is it okay if I go first? And I roll over and I say, yeah, whatever. She comes down <laughs> five minutes later and she says, I played. I scrabbled. It's your turn. And I, I at that point, I went upstairs and I started playing. And, uh, what was the word? I have no idea. It was obviously some seven letter uh, word that 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 she scrabbled with and that's the way it is and if you don't wake up early enough grandma's gonna scrabble on you and yeah man. every time every time <laughs> especially <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. favorite one my favorite uh story was um a time where a guy i was beating him by some insane amount i mean he the game was over um there was only there was zero tiles left in the bag, but he had seven letters left in his in his rack, and I was beating him by something like 175 points or something crazy. He spelled the word juxtapose over triple word, bingoed with like the J and triple letter, and then beat me by like 30 points. It was like a 200 point word. <laughs> spelled the a, word juxtapose. A J on triple. That's 24 points with the X in there, which may or may not have been on any. That's no, 32 points. And, and words of friends, J's worth ten, so it was worth. Oh. It was worth. It was worth thirty over a triple word with right. J That's and nine, triple letter. One letter is ninety points. The one what letter is worth ninety points, and then the 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 to bingo, or whatever you want to call it. That's uh, thirty five in words of friends, I think. And then the X on there was worth eight. I mean, it was just an astronomical score. It was. I, I I remember looking at the game. I was like, "All right, finally, game's over. We can play the next game." And I look and it says, "You lost." I'm like, "That's not possible." And I look at what happened. I was like, "I was speechless." How, so, juxtapose has nine letters in it. Yeah, but there's already two. It, it. I mean, it was. That is amazing. It does it have none? Yeah, it does have nine letters. Yeah. I mean, he spelled juxtapose. Yeah, he got it. And does juxtapose? It. Does that mean to like switch two things in play in their places? Uh, juxtapose, like juxtaposition, is like the way that things are um, put together in a composition. Um, so, like 
the logos behind your head. Uh, those are juxtaposed in a uh, pattern, in a crisscrossing pattern. We should probably draw attention to the logos behind my head. So That's just... exactly why I did it. <laughs> um, and so the lights behind your head are not juxtaposed. Uh, it's not necessary. Okay. I might not have the world's, uh, I should know what the word juxtaposed means. I used to actually get the magazine juxtaposed or <laughs> it's literally, it's literally a magazine. It's an art magazine. You just say you got, there was a magazine called juxtaposed that you used to get. Yeah. It's an art magazine. It's an awesome art magazine. Okay. I've yeah. never heard of, I used to get dragon magazine. Dragon magazine. I've yeah. never heard of that one. Either. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> not me buddy not me i've i've made two D D references in this podcast already oh i missed the first one dang yeah we're not even into the into the uh into the playoffs concept here but that's oh, let's get to it all right let's, let's get, get right to it. to it that was a great juxtaposition of words so jeremy Colling, you have won a couple of tournaments by the skin of your teeth in in extra innings, as they say. Uh, how does that feel? Does it feel like you really won, or does it feel like you just got lucky? Oh, I'm coming out swinging, I see. All right. Um, <laughs> it, it's a strange feeling, of course. Uh, you know, winning in a playoff, uh, it's a lot like winning a soccer game in penalty kick shootout. You know, you both have made it to the final. Um and you're tied and you know this is they don't always do the penalty kicks unless it's an important game um but you know we won a tournament when i was a kid in penalty kick shootouts and i remember thinking like that's uh, you know it's pretty nobody wants to be in that position right um however it's uh, you have to have a winner so obviously we have playoffs and um for those situations and, um, you know, it's something that we just all accept because that's just the way it is. And um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I think that, you know, if you have to have a winner, it's better to play it out than Rochambeau, of course. Uh, you don't so, wanna... But to, to that point, though, Jeremy, uh, when the when the soccer team goes to ex goes to the shootout, usually there's already been an overtime period. Usually they have they, they have the regular time and then they have overtime and then if it's still tied then they they go to the the penalty kick because the penalty right. kick can can be seen as fluky yeah i mean it's the the chances of uh saving a shot are highly against the goalkeeper so um you know it usually comes down to somebody missing or a great save um and yeah i mean it's you're putting on the entire team's trust on the goalkeeper and the, and the shooter as opposed to 11 man versus 11 man format right so, um, so maybe soccer isn't the best example, but maybe nope. it is. Nope. You say it's yeah, not. Maybe it is. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it isn't. I don't know. <laughs> it's the first one I could think of. Uh, and, and it's a valid one. We've both played soccer and uh, we both have probably, I don't remember going to penalty kicks off. You don't go often, but sometimes uh, our mm -hmm. soccer team was not very good. So we didn't get to penalty kicks often. <laughs> um, so, but the, the place that I first went was golf and looked, Looking at golf, we've got the PGA Championship, which does a three-hole sudden death. Uh, you've got Masters, which does Play, a sudden playoff. death. No, actually, Masters does a sudden death. So that's what I mean. That's what I meant to say. Yes, okay, sudden, sudden death. death. Um, 
And and in fact, here's an interesting stat. With the exception of the 2013 showdown between Adam Scott and Angel Cabrera, <coughs> no sudden death playoff has lasted more than two holes. Pretty interesting little stat there. That is um, the British Open does four-hole aggregate playoff. you got to play all four. And the U.S. Open obviously does the complete 18. round the next day. Yeah. yeah. So golf hasn't figured this out yet. They don't know what the best solution is. I believe there is a best solution to everything. Okay. So let's hear it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just right, well, that, I mean, I just know that there is one. Okay. So um, I looked up bowling, another single, basically mono a mono sport. Uh, bowling does have usually in a in a tournament they would do a three frame tiebreaker. And if okay. you're still tied after that, uh, they will do single a sing, single ball sudden death until the number is different. So um, I looked up curling, but I genuinely don't understand their tiebreaker. So I could try to talk to it, but it seems like they say that you do one complete end, which is, but it seems like somebody would have a significant advantage by going last. So that doesn't, I don't see how that can make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you want to have the hammer and curling. So yeah, that's, that's a disadvantage. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, no, having the hammer is the advantage. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah. Some yeah. one person, one team yeah, has the advantage. Yeah. yeah. One person has the advantage. So golf hasn't figured it out. Curling maybe gives one side a significant advantage. I don't know if there's anybody, any curlers out there, they can put the comments and let us know. Um, bowling does three frames and then a sudden death. What do you think the best solution in disc golf is? Well, um, I think that there, I, I have played in a three hole playoff, um, two different times. Um, and, uh, actually lost both of those three hole playoffs. Um, but I think that it's, um, it's a very, it's an interesting format. Um, that's for sure. I, I like it. And, um, part of me wants to say that, that we should go with that. I also really enjoy the match play feel of the single hole uh, sudden death playoff. Um, but it really, to, to come up with the best scenario, it really depends on so many factors, Steve, because um, you know, daylight can become an issue. That's certainly something that if you have a three hole playoff and you guys are struggling to get it in uh, the, the final holes, because it's getting dark and the last cards teed off later than everyone else. And they come in and you have about 20 minutes of daylight. Well, you have to first make sure that the scores are correct. Then by the time they're playing, what if they have the Kenny Barry uh, 2005 epic playoff where they go, what was it like 12 holes? I was yeah. going to guess nine, but either way. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's not necessarily, um, that's a situation where that was a sudden death playoff, but it still yeah. went that many holes. So, right. um, you, you know, it's very rare. You don't see it very often. Um, I remember last year, um, or maybe it was two years ago at the Virginia team invitational, a match play event, um, where, uh, my roommate, Henry Childress had an 18 hole playoff in the playoffs uh, of the of the match play semifinals with his partner. And so, I mean, 18 holes. They played a whole extra round to, to pushing figure every, out who would win. Pushing, pushing every, every hole. hole. Wow. So, you know, I mean, it, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. And 
I think it's, 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 it's something worth trying without question. We should try it. And, you know, hopefully we don't have playoffs in, in, at the end of the event, you know, it's, it's a, it's a situation where the winner gets all the praise um, and the loser is, you know, forgotten about and, and not necessarily completely forgotten about, but um, you know, they did better than everyone else for all the holes and now it's a situation where somebody gets all the, the glory and it's, you know, it's not necessarily fair for the, for the loser in that situation. Um, I, not, and fair isn't the right word because I guess they have an equal chance in the playoff. But that being said, uh, I'll eventually get to my point. I know I'd take forever. Uh, but um, if you were to play a three-hole playoff minimum and on the first hole, let's say player A gets a stroke on player B. Well, in the next two holes, player B has got to find a way to do something cool. Right. That presents a lot of interesting drama that could potentially unfold. And if that's the case, you know, maybe they see a line that they would never try in tournament play. But all of a sudden, you know, I guess I got to go for it now. I got to get that stroke somehow. You could see some things that you've never seen before. Um, or you would ever think that some a reasonable human being would go for, uh, a la Simon or Eagle or doing something crazy, and that would be really entertaining. Um, but in terms of entertainment, you just got three rounds, eighteen <laughs> holes around, fifty-four holes total. I mean, that's a lot of entertainment. Like, how much more are you trying to suck out of the playoff? You know, it's. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what the best solution for this is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward my thought, and then you can you can knock it down as as best you want. So okay. um, here at uh, here at Jonesboro, they have a four hole loop. If there's playoffs, and you you play that four hole loop, you, it's sudden death. But you you play the four hole loop and you repeat it. Uh, at Maple Hill, we do a two hole loop and re, we repeat it. We just do holes one and two back and forth. At Waco, they had a a four hole loop. And uh, it feels to me like a playoff should be at least two holes. If somebody goes out of bounds on that first hole, I want them to think to themselves, okay, I'm not out of it, but I've got to do something miraculous because I know he's going to get the par or the birdie or whatever it is. And I've got to, I've got to beat that and give, give the fans just a little bit more excitement. And a little bit more um, less fluke factor, if you will. So that's where my mind goes. I'd like to see at least two holes, and in my opinion, it, ideally three, but light is a factor. Um, so two to four holes is is where I personally would like to see us go. How do, how does that sit with you? Like I said before, I think it'd be fun to try it. Um, it would be something that. Uh, would be, it, as far as I'm aware, it'd be the first time that that playoff format would be used in a large disc golf event. I know that it's been used, um, for instance, in Asheville, North Carolina, they've gone with that playoff format in the past. Um, but in terms of like large tournaments, uh, it would be the first time that I'm aware that it has happened. So I would, I would be open for that to be um, a playoff uh, breaking or tie breaking scenario. However, I have to pose the question, had, let's say Nate had um, this, just using this last example at Waco, yeah. and Nate's sidearm drive was uh, more of the, what he was looking for, and um, 
let's say I had thrown a, an aggressive drive to the pin, trying to go for the Eagle. Nate lays his putt up under the basket and I make a 60 foot putt and win in the playoff. Okay. Would oh, we yeah. be having this, would we be having this conversation right now? Um, because that would have been an exciting finish and would have given the fans everything to talk about. They'd been raving about the excitement of the playoff. Um, or would we still be talking about, man, we want more still. We want more holes. You know, like these players just gave us 54 holes of their heart, but we want more. Like, let's get more, 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 more. Um, you, raise I, a, I, yeah. you raise a great point um, because the reason it didn't feel as fulfilling as it could have is no, that very first shot decided it in both cases, both Wacos decided that the very first overtime shot and it was relatively, that be, it was over that, that being said, there was still some excitement because my second shot wasn't as close as I'd like for it to be. Nate had a putt from about 50 feet. That was this low yeah. from going in and James, the previous year chained out. Those were both exciting runs that could have potentially pushed the playoff further. And, you know, maybe we'd be sitting in a different conversation right now. You know, we'd be talking about ways to call foot faults on people better. Um, <laughs> but, That's an odd but topic, yeah, but okay. People love talking about foot faults. Yes, um, they do. I heard you had one at Waco. Yeah, it wasn't called, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Sounds good. No, um, actually, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up because actually I learned something from that situation. Right. And uh, if you aren't familiar, uh, the situation was uh, as far as I have always been aware, you play your lie in line with the mandatory tree until you cross the mandatory tree and then it becomes to the basket. If there is a mando on the hole or whatever the man, if it's not mandatory, but just the mandatory. Well, uh, I was stymied against a tree and I saw that there was mandatory in the woods. And I asked my group if I got relief in the direction of the line of play from the mandatory tree. And they, we all agreed that that was the ruling. However, that's only the ruling if the basket is on the opposite side of the mandatory, meaning that you have to go the opposite direction of the mandatory from where the basket is. It's a very poorly written rule and it's difficult to understand unless you have like different things you can put on the ground and show what that means. Um, right. But I think some people, you can probably figure out what that means, but if the basket is on the correct side of the mandatory, then you still play to the basket and not the mandatory tree. Um, so the situation was that yeah. the basket was on the correct side. However, I played it as if the mandatory was the line. Yeah. And so I gave myself just enough space to be able to throw a clean shot without hitting my hand on the tree. And, um, it's, you know, it, with the box being in uh, play this year, um, you know, it would, it would have been pretty close to being fine for both rulings. Um, I mean, you can screenshot it on the video of the last round and you can see what I'm talking about. But, you know, it's, it, you can't see the basket, of course, because it's uphill and to the right. You just kind of have to understand where the pin is to right. be able to figure out. And it, it, it was a situation where um, – um, when I was doing commentary the morning after, I felt like it was important to explain why my foot was 
where it was. And um, when I did that, I actually called myself out um, to the public. And then they were like, no, you're actually wrong about this. And I was like, no, I think you're wrong. I'm the pro here. And then they're like, well, actually, 803CAB. Uh, okay. So I looked it up and I was like, um, my bad. <laughs> well, because they know the rules doesn't mean they speak like a robot. Exactly. Well, they kind of do. You know, when they start coming out with three letters, two numbers, and then three letters after that to tell me where it is in the rule books, I mean, that's pretty robotic. One of one of my favorite one of my favorite pet peeves is when people use uh, stupid voice to describe people who they don't want to agree with. So, uh, yes, I loved your robot voice right there, and I, I was just like. Yeah. The people it's, pointing that out are not the, they're not the idiots. Show so. me a person that doesn't do an impersonation of somebody else they disagree with, with giving them a dumb voice. And I will point to a soulless person because that's what everybody does. Right. Come on. I, I, I work very hard not to do that. I'm, I'm sure at some point I do. I oh, do. Jeremy. I'm sure I do. Oh, I'm Steve Dodge. I don't make judgments. Sir. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to make judgments. <laughs> I'm but, not polarizing. So, <laughs> so, but Jeremy, let's, uh, I, I will go ahead and say at, uh, at the MVP open this year, I'm going to go ahead. And, uh, if I remember, I'm going to implement the, uh, a, a two hole playoff and we'll see if, uh, if we can manage to get a playoff, maybe you'll be in it and maybe you'll, you'll be able to throw us with two extra holes. And I'm going to say after that, it's a sudden death, but I want to have two holes of, uh, of excitement uh, giving people a little bit extra and we'll see, we'll see how it goes over. And if it, if people think it's more valid or, or whatever the question is. So, well, it's not going to happen this year. I plan on winning it outright by three. MVP open. We'll have a two hole playoff. We'll see if we can go to a playoff. Uh, maybe on the last hole, you'll, you'll gack three putts just to make it. <laughs> see? Uh, I'll do that. I'll do that plenty of times. Steve. Okay. <laughs> I want you to tell me, Jeremy, in closing, as we're getting ready to close this thing down, can you tell me uh, over the course of the last couple of seasons, I want you to tell me a story. You've been traveling with Austin Turner, I know, and uh, and you are one of the you are one of the more entertaining people on tour. Tell me tell me one really funny story that has happened with you and your whoever you're traveling with in between stops i want to know something that happened in between stops that was just ridiculous and over the top and probably shouldn't have happened steve you're asking me to pick like my favorite child um this is like so what's your favorite food it could be anybody what, what kind of music do you like i mean where do you start like you this a little heads up on this one would have been great because i where do you go at seven um, o'clock when I opened the show, I did tell everybody I was going to ask you this. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I tuned in at seven Oh two. So I missed yeah, it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, this isn't that funny, but it's just going to, I'm going to go ahead and just, this is the first thing that came to mind. Um, last year, Austin got into the car. Uh, we decided to tour together and um, yeah, Austin's 18 years old. He was in college for one semester so we got a lot of, uh, we got to show Austin how, how we do things, you know, how do we cohabitate? How do we live, uh, you know, in a, in a way that's respectful to not only um, the person you're traveling with, but also our hosts and everyone else. And uh, so there's a lot to, uh, to teach an 18 year old kid about how to do that kind of stuff. 
for sure. Um, that being said, um, one time Austin uh, wanted to help out a little bit, so he decided to um, take care of the laundry. And um, <laughs> earlier that day, I went out to Walmart, bought some Walmart Tide Pods. We didn't eat any of them, so we're good. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> we had uh, actually Marty McFly in our in our hotel room with us. And Austin had agreed to go do the laundry. So he takes all of our laundry, takes the quarters, puts them in the machine and comes back upstairs. Marty McFly lies down on his air mattress and he like rings back and he's like, what the heck is this? And it's a, it's a, the Tide Pod. And Austin says, oh shoot. And he grabs it and runs back down the steps. And I'm like, what the heck, dude? Did you forget to put the detergent in? He's like, uh, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, well, you got it early. So we're good. He comes back up two minutes later. He said, I need five quarters. And I'm like, what do you need five quarters for already? He said, I accidentally put all the clothes in the dryer first. <laughs> it's not, it's not done yet, Steve. <laughs> we're not done yet. He's he's so he's telling him so I'm like well thank God you didn't put the detergent in first that would have been really bad <laughs> so then he tells me then he tells me well I don't know man I it's like you know how all 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 washers are on the left and all dryers are on the right and I'm like no I don't know that that's not a universal rule like what do you he's like well that's how it is back at our house and I'm like well that might be the way it is at your house but that's not the way it is everywhere. So he's like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So I'm, we're laughing about this story. He gets, yeah. he puts the laundry in the right place. And actually I go down with him this time to make sure we all get good, it good. squared away. So we're, we're, I'm laughing about this story. Cause I'm just like, golly, Austin, like there's a story like this every week. So we're telling his mom on the phone about what happened and he's explaining, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like at home where our, the, the washers on the left and the dryers on the right. And his mom's like, honey, <laughs> No, our washer's on the right and our dryer's on the left. So the only <laughs> ground he had to stand on was completely eliminated right there. So <laughs> you can always count on mom. <laughs> yep. Yep. She she uh she set him straight. So yeah, there's stuff like that that happens all the time. But he's learned he's learned his way through uh through the last year. I feel like he's done a pretty good job adapting to uh how to how to cohabitate. I'm so. glad he's had you to teach him, Jeremy. I think he's probably pretty glad that he's at me too. There's times when I've been happy to be that person too, but you know, that's a full-time job being a dad. Nothing like making you feel super proud when he goes down the next time and puts it in the washing machine. That's right. You give him a pat on the back. You say, you did laundry great this time, buddy. Here we go. Clean clothes. That's right. <laughs> Jared, Jared, uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, out at Jonesboro. Uh, you'll be, uh, You'll be on the live broadcast Saturday and Sunday, I presume. Uh, yeah, I no, I will I be. It's up to you. It's up to me, huh? All right. Well, then, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be there. Okay. We look forward to seeing you on the live broadcast Saturday, Sunday, four o'clock Eastern. Um, thank you very much for taking time with me tonight, and I look forward to seeing you the next time I see you. Yeah, man, I'll see you in a coat tomorrow, buddy. Thank you. That's the truth. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye. We'll see you. So, everybody, that was Jeremy Colling uh, signing off. Uh, Jeremy will be competing at the Jonesboro Open from 4 o'clock till whenever on Saturday and Sunday. 
And uh, we've got a action-packed card for you on Friday at 4 o'clock as well. Let's see if we can figure out who those people are on Friday. Just real quick. Uh, the four people competing on Friday, we've got Nate Sexton, Seppo Paiu, Ricky Wysocki, and local favorite, or I should say Arkansas favorite, Kevin Jones. So those are the four people that will be uh, Friday at 4 o'clock. That's in two days. So our first question comes at us. It says, do that by alternating MPO and FPO cards for the field. So feature uh, or lead FPO card tees right before the feature or, load, feature or lead MPO card. Uh, that is a good idea that we tried four or five years ago at the Vibram Open. The two problems with that, number one, we don't have the cameras to cover both cards at the same time. Number two, we don't have the technology to switch back and forth. Uh, unless they are not playing at the exact same time. So we'd need to get two more cameramen, two more cameras, and improve technology. Additionally, having the women go off early gives them an opportunity to have their own crowd, and people are starting to learn, I want to watch the women, I'm going to come out early. They watch the women, they go have lunch, and then they watch the men. And uh, we're developing a whole wonderful day of disc golf for people to come and watch. So right now, that's why that answer won't work for us and what we're building. So uh, the second question, how are the lengths of the sudden death holes chosen? Uh, it would be whatever the tournament uh, holes are that are near, generally near the uh, tournament central. Probably holes 1 and 18, uh, potentially whatever holes bring you back to that area. So it might be 1-2 in the case of Maple Hill. Uh, here at Jonesboro, it's 1-9 and then 10-18 uh, and repeating. So it's whatever the holes are that make sense for the fans to watch. Uh, somebody also says, what about cases where the first hole favors righties or lefties or flicks? Uh, that's, uh, that's sort of luck of the draw. Life's going to be like that sometimes. Uh, if we had multiple holes, absolutely, there's a valid argument to say, ideally, two holes would balance it out, but they wouldn't necessarily, because if you play one and nine, you don't necessarily know if one and nine are both lefty holes or, or not. So uh, luck of the draw in that matter, and that's uh, that's the way it goes. Maybe that's why the, uh, I think it's US, U.S. Open has the 18-hole playoff, play the whole thing, but we're not ready for that either. Um, and my favorite comment of the night comes from Joe Douglas. Uh, he says, three-hole playoff. If it's still tied after three holes, give the person that is CTP on the best two out of three holes the win. Well, I will say that would limit it to three holes for sure, and it would be over. And if you're going into that third hole and you have lost the two CTPs, you are going to be gunning on that last hole, and that would absolutely be exciting. Everybody would know who's going to win if uh, if you don't sink that putt. So Joe Douglas, great idea. I don't think it'll ever be implemented, but that's what happens to many great ideas. Thank you all for listening. I'll kick it back to Steve and say goodnight. Thank you all for watching. Until next time, have a great night. Draw them straight.